So Money, episode 394, Dr. Roshini Raj. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, your scheduling appointments, or to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result will be stunning. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Thursday, April 7th. What did you think of last night's show on Follow the Leader on CNBC? Did you watch it? Come on. If you didn't, that's okay. I know life's busy, but please, I would love for y'all to get back to me and let me know what you thought of the episode, the premiere episode. We featured John Paul DeJoria. He is, as many of you already know, the co-founder of Paul Mitchell Systems. And you may not have known this, the co-founder of Patron Tequila, two very different brands, but both equally successful, worth billions of dollars. And with John Paul, I had the amazing, unprecedented opportunity to go and travel with him on his private jet, visit his home, meet his family, be at his job behind the scenes, looking at how he makes decisions and pretty amazing. This guy doesn't use a computer. He doesn't use email. He doesn't really have a, a modern cell phone. I mean, it's still like this flip phone from when I had one in college. Needless to say, you got to tune in and let me know what you think of the show. Okay, now transitioning to today's guest, a doctor and TV personality, not Dr. Oz, but equally as talented. Dr. Roshini Raj is here. I first met Dr. Raj backstage at the Today Show many years ago. And, you know, medical information like financial information can be confusing and dry and hard to go through. But I think Dr. Raj does an amazing and exceptional job of giving really digestible, user-friendly advice for living your healthiest life. And she is actually now the author and co-founder of Tula, a healthy living and beauty brand with products on the market to help restore natural balance to your skin. I was very interested in this as I am uh, entering my late 30s. Some background on Dr. Raj. She is a board-certified gastroenterologist and internist. She has her medical degree from NYU School of Medicine and an undergraduate degree from Harvard. Dr. Raj is also an attending physician and an associate professor of medicine at NYU, and she's spent the past 10 years educating the public on leading healthy and more balanced lives. Now, on top of her appearances on the Today Show, Dr. Raj is also the core expert on, coincidentally, the Dr. Oz Show, 
Good Day New York. She is a medical correspondent for Good Day New York and the medical editor of Health Magazine. Maybe you've seen some of her columns. And in our time together, we talk about her new product line, Tula, why it actually works. There's so many beauty products on the market claiming that they can rejuvenate and delay aging. What's special about Tula? And then we talk about her profession, taking it from behind the scenes to in front of the camera. And if you're interested in doing the same, and I know some of you are, keep listening. She gives some excellent advice on how to make that transition and elevate your brand and expand your audience. Here's Dr. Roshini Raj. Dr. Roshini Raj, my friend, welcome to So Money. It's great to reconnect with you. It's so lovely to connect with you. It's been way too long. <laughs> what a treat. I normally see you occasionally, and not often as I'd like, in the green room of the Today Show. And of course, you're everywhere, not just the Today Show, but also Fox and um, Health Magazine. And I mean, on top of, of course, your practice, um, you know, you're a board certified gastroenterologist. You also teach at NYU and you have a new skincare line called Tula, which I definitely want to learn more about. I just got back from the allergist, learned I'm allergic to nickel, which is in a lot of makeup, as it turns out. I know. That's true. So that's so can... interesting. You just found that out now. Today, yeah. right. So it's apropos <laughs> that I'm talking to you now. Maybe Tula is what I need to get me on a better skincare regimen. But tell me a little bit about Tula, you know, just why you wanted to start this on top of everything else that you're doing. You're also, I should mention, a mom and a wife. And I mean, I don't even have time to remember to take a shower sometimes, but you are just killing it. You're killing it, Dr. Oh, Raj. You're so sweet. And and you know, I'm a huge fan of yours and, and always love seeing you today show and everywhere else. You are also all over the place in a good way. So that's great. Um, yeah, you know, it's been such an amazing journey. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm 44. And I think one of the things I kind of want to just make clear in, in this podcast with you is that it's just really never too late. Of course, 44 is not old by any means, but it's really never too late to kind of start a new branch of your career, do something really different. And that's really what Tula was for me. It was this foray into being an entrepreneur that I honestly had never thought I would do growing up. You know, both my parents were doctors. I went into medicine. It's a very kind of linear, traditional path of a career. And I think the first inkling that I wasn't going to be the you know, typical doctor was when I started doing media about now it's been almost 12 years ago. And so that was one departure from the traditional medical path. And then this whole starting a new business thing happened a couple of years ago, um, which happened quite randomly. I ended up meeting some people who were um, who had a lot of experience in the beauty world. And actually, he's now my co-founder. But um, at the time, I met someone who was one of the co-founders of Bobby Brown Cosmetics. So it was a very serendipitous meeting. And, and I had been thinking for a while about starting a product line of some kind, just because I had been doing media for so long. I felt like I'd really built up a platform and an audience and people who trusted me and, and looked to me for health advice and wellness advice. And I was thinking, you know, in addition to kind of speaking to them on TV, I would love to give them something that they can actually have in their homes that made their lives better and healthier. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with that, whether it was going to be maybe a healthy beverage or, you know, something else. And then when I met this person um, from the beauty world, we started talking and he was interested in starting a skincare line and I was interested in doing something and we started chatting and I realized that, you know, an anti-aging skincare line 
was something that could definitely help a lot of women and certainly something on my mind as I was in my 40s. Um, And so we decided to join forces and start Tula. And I was watching uh, your uh, video about Tula at Tula.com. Yeah. And you're talking about how there's so many products out there. And of course, I'm a big consumer of of what you're selling. I, I'm 36. So yes. um, I'm starting to think more about uh, just making sure that I'm taking the right steps now so that I'm not old and wrinkly at, you know, 45. Cause that's what happens when you're just not paying attention sometimes. Sure. How does your, yeah. how does Tula differentiate itself from all the other products out there? Why should I invest in this over every other product out there? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And one that I love to answer because For me personally, I didn't want to just do a product for the sake of doing a product. I wanted to do something I really believed in. And as someone who, quite frankly, wasn't a beauty junkie growing up, I mean, I spent my 20s in a hospital, essentially. I I wasn't thinking about the latest cosmetics or creams for my face. Um, You know, it just wasn't a priority for me. And I so when I decided to do something like this, a beauty line, I really wanted to do something that would be totally different and extremely effective. Like it wasn't, I didn't want to just do another me too product or just something that has very similar ingredients and everything else out there. So I wanted to, before I even committed to doing it really brainstorm and kind of put my researcher hat on and think about what can I put in these products that's going to make it different and really game changing. And as a gastroenterologist, probiotics have been something that have fascinated me for the last several years. There's really been an explosion in the research around probiotics, which are, you know, these healthy, good for you bacteria. We know they're great in terms of digestive health, but what's really fascinating is we're learning how important they are for so many other systems in our body, whether that's immunity or even like weight management. And now it turns out that they're a very active area of research in the dermatology world. So, Dermatology researchers are looking at the role of probiotics in conditions like acne and rosacea and eczema, but even just in the normal aging process, how having the right bacteria can actually help slow down that process. Um, And that's something that we were decided to put into every single product, and it's really the foundation of the Tula line. Mm -hmm. Tula means balance, and and we think of it as a, a balanced meal for your skin with the core being probiotics. And then we put a lot of other superfoods for your skin, like antioxidants and omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. And I think it's, you know, it's a great time to be doing something like this because I think women in general are thinking much more about the health of their skin, not Mm -hmm. just sort of the cosmetic look of their skin. Um, And really that's when, you know, the biggest compliment you can give someone is like, oh, you have a healthy glow. Your skin looks so healthy. It's not that oh, you know, I don't see any wrinkles. It's really that overall healthy radiance. And that's what Tula is is aiming for. And, and you know, we've had some fantastic results, which I can tell you about too. But that that's really where I was coming from when I, I decided to make probiotics the core of the line. And you're hearing a lot about how external healing usually has to come from within. So what you're putting in your body, um, you know, uh, whether it's probiotics, um, just more water sometimes is, 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 yeah. is really key. So I guess that's the differentiator, right? It's like you're creating a product that is taking into consideration, uh, the existing, um, I guess, uh, nutrients that we can consume to help with, uh, slowing down the aging process you're putting into actually this cream. 
Right. So that's exactly right. We're really thinking about this inside out approach. And many of the nutrients that we know are great for us internally are also great applied topically. And we definitely talk about the fact that, yeah, there's not one cream in a vacuum that's going to do everything. You absolutely have to be focusing on what you're eating, how you're managing stress, how much mm-hmm. you're sleeping, how yeah. much water you're drinking, how much you're exercising. All Girl, of these things you have that we to know. tell me. I'm like, <laughs> it's just, it's really overwhelming because you, it's never, you're right. It's not just, it's not a bulletproof thing. It's not ever just one thing. You have to really right. look at your physical health, your behaviors, your sleep, your water. I mean, I forget to drink water and I just have to, I think I just have to put an alarm on my phone or something like every hour. I know. You know, there's some such great apps. The other day, a friend of mine, we were having drinks and he just got up and and like started walking around for two minutes because he had a little app. I think it's called Q that reminded him that he shouldn't be sitting for too long. (laughs) So there are lots of apps out there that could help you, you know, remind you to do these things. But yeah. And, you know, just from a business perspective, um, I, we are definitely looking to expand Tula beyond beauty because I really do want to address the whole, the whole holistic health and wellness space. So our, probably the next product extension will be something like, you know, either a beverage or a beverage of some kind that has, again, probiotics and those other healthy nutrients to help you stay healthy on the inside and out because it's not only going to keep your internal organs functioning well, but it'll definitely also help your skin and your hair and your nails and all those things because they're all interrelated. And that's what I'm finding fascinating about medicine these days. We're really moving away from these silos of, you know, the cardiologist just deals with the heart and the gastroenterologist just deals with the intestine. They're so interrelated, we're finding out, um, that we all have to kind of know about all the other systems and work together. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out. And I also have to say for a lot of our listeners, they write into me and they say, you know, Farnoosh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, I'm a professor, and I want to branch out. I would love to get more exposure. I'd love to start speaking. I'd love to start getting media. Would yeah. You, could you share with us, you know, maybe going back the 12 years when you started to do television, what was the, uh, what was like your break? You know, like, I guess maybe if there was a big break for you, because now you're everywhere and and so and, and it's so important that you're everywhere because your advice is so important and you deliver it in such a digestible way. Uh, but how did you like basically cross over that bridge as, as, yeah. as a lesson for some of my listeners? Yeah, I think that um, like a lot of things in life, part of it was very random and, and based on luck. And then but they also say you kind of create your own luck. So I think it was a combination of a couple things. So the the very kind of basic story is I was at NYU, which is where I did my training, and I was finishing up my GI fellowship, and I had done a lot of public speaking on um, colon cancer. That was really a passion of mine, colon cancer prevention and screening and different ways to test for colon cancer. Um, and just completely by happenstance, a a television show from the Discovery Channel. It actually, funnily enough, was Dr. Oz's show that he had before he had his big show and before he even was on Oprah. It was um, called Second Opinion with Dr. Oz on the Discovery Channel. They came to my hospital, to NYU, and they wanted to do a segment on colon cancer. And for whatever reason, they wanted a woman. And I was the only female gastroenterologist at NYU at the time. (laughs) Um, So by default, it had to be me. It also worked out because I, you know, that was one of my really passionate um, subjects that I was interested in talking about. So the NYU PR team said, well, you should talk to her. And, And they came and they interviewed me and they actually filmed me doing a performing a colonoscopy on a patient. 
Um, and it was just a very natural experience. I really enjoyed it. And I was decent enough that they liked <laughs> me a lot. I mean, I certainly have improved over the 12 years. And I'm sure, you know, I think there's, there is some natural ability on TV, but you definitely get better as you practice more or just mm -hmm. go on more. But um, through those producers, I first of all, through that experience, I just had this aha moment, which was I really like doing this for a lot of reasons. Well, I think the biggest reason at that time was the ability to speak about something like colon cancer prevention that I was so passionate about and to reach such a huge audience, you know, through the power of television was amazing to me. Um, and then there's more of the, you know, the ego and the rush and the excitement and all that. That was all there, too. And I loved every part of it. So I Free hair of, and makeup. That's good. There you go. <laughs> feeling glamorous for a day for gastroenterologists. That's really kind of a rare experience at work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of put it in my brain that this is something I want to do more of. And those producers liked me. So they kind of introduced me to other people in New York. And I started kind of being booked for local news, um, you know, any breaking news, whether it was gastro related or even unrelated, because I felt comfortable talking about a host about a, many different wellness topics. And then one thing kind of led to another. I ended up being hired at Channel 11 as their local news medical correspondent for a couple of years. And, you know, the, the world of New York producers, people move around. And actually, one of the producers who was working at Fox and I had done a couple appearances at Fox ended up moving to the Today Show. And she called me and um, there you go. You know, the rest was history, as they say. Yeah, but, I... but what I talk about, I mean, there was so much luck involved and so many random things. And, and I'm so grateful for that. But I think the fact that I also during my training, especially had really practiced a lot of um, public speaking, you know, and going to conferences and speaking in front of large audiences and having that confidence in delivering a message, delivering it in a succinct manner, in an easily understandable manner, because not only did I speak to other physicians, but I would do a lot of public outreach programs where I'm kind of educating the public about colon cancer. I think that definitely prepared me for that initial break when it did come. I'm just so impressed. I think of people like you and Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Oz, and such a large part of your day is uh, media-oriented. And then you still are practicing physicians. It keeps you challenged. You know, there's just uh, working different parts of your brain all day. Totally. And, you know, a lot of people, and I'm sure they ask you this too, do say like, well, how do you do it? And how do you balance it all? And, and you know, it, it is certainly challenging. But what I often tell them and I tell myself is no one is forcing me to do all these things. You know, <laughs> I'm doing them because I like them. And, right. And there's a reason why I, I don't mind getting up at sometimes 5.30 or whatever it is, because I, I actually enjoy doing those TV things early morning or, you know, and, and when it stops being interesting and exciting, I'm, um, and maybe we'll talk about this in a more financial manner, but, you know, then I won't do it. I don't have to do it. I do it because I enjoy doing it. And I think it, they lead to other things. You know, the, the, the reason why I met the person who I started Tula with, actually, I started with two people, but one of them really, his wife saw me on TV and that's right. how that meeting happened. So it's just, you, you never know where life is going to take you, but the, the exposure of the media certainly brings other opportunities. And that's cer certainly one of the reasons why I keep doing it and why I enjoy doing it. Yeah. From a financial standpoint, what you're doing essentially by getting yourself out there is exposure for you and your brand. And it's 
um, you're not paying dollars to appear on the Today Show, and maybe they're not even paying you, but it's pay your, it's your time that you're investing, but it pays back right. in dividends in ways that you couldn't even imagine. You know, like you thought, who thought you were going to have a, a skincare line one day, but here you are, and it's because of exactly putting yourself out there. Um, yeah, so you're right. We often talk about health with you and medicine, and uh, would love to now transition to money. Do you like talking yeah. about money? Do you talk about money at home a lot, or? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Now that I am in sort of the business world, I definitely talk about it much more than I ever did before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. I mean, money, I, I think it's such a interesting topic, the way different people think about money and talk about money. You know, when I was growing up, um, both my parents were doctors. I was raised as a Buddhist. They're both Buddhists as well. And really in our household, money was something that you just – sort of need to have to be comfortable, you know, do the things you want to do, whether it's traveling or, you know, having a certain type of home or whatever. But my parents were never very focused on money. And I'm kind of grateful for that in the sense that I I didn't grow up kind of being envious of people who maybe had more or, you know, that kind of thing. Now, the flip side of that is sometimes when you grow up focusing on money, you get you're really hungry, quote unquote, and maybe that makes you ultimately more successful in a way. But for me, um, I still to this day really think of money as a means to an end. And it's something that certainly, you know, I focus on for the security of my family and and myself. But um, it's not, you know, I definitely have friends who want to make X amount of money in their lifetime. And, you know, that's I don't kind of have that going through my mind on a daily basis. Hmm. Well, going back to your childhood a little bit more, what was perhaps a money memory that you had while money was maybe also a means to an end growing up? Do you have a memory of how you kind of mm, started to pay a little bit more attention to money or had an experience with money as a kid? Yeah. Well, I think one interesting thing, um, certainly as a woman, I, you know, my mother always worked. She actually was a gastroenterologist as well. Um, at a time when there were very few female gastroenterologists. So that was definitely inspiring to me. But she had an interesting background where her parents were divorced and her father pretty much abandoned the family, you know, when she was quite young and they had some financial insecurities. So she always told me from a young age, and this definitely is a memory that's seared in my brain, that you should always be as a woman financially independent, you know, whether you're married or not you always need to have your own money. And she kind of uses this example, which I don't know, may or may not piss people off on your show. I don't know. But she said, you should never be in a position where you have to ask your husband, can I buy this, whatever, handbag, whatever it is. Um, I love that. And so, that, is yeah. not, that should not reach anybody. <laughs> yeah, no, hopefully not. I know. I mean, I'm sure there are women who do that. And, and if that's making them happy, that's fine. But that was something that certainly was always in my mind. So it was never a question to me, like, was I going to work or, you know, I always thought whatever I want out of life, it's up to me to get it, you know, and whether that's the certain house, the certain car, the certain whatever it is, certain amount of money, if I want it, I need to work hard to get it. And, you know, I'm prepared to do that. That's just how it's going to be. Um, I never had this sort of goal of, you know, me meeting someone else who was going to provide for me in that way. Right. I mean, you, it's good to be vulnerable in other ways in your relationship, uh, sure. but not financially. I think uh, that's just, yes. uh, especially for women, because already too many women are entering relationships 
um, where the balance is not in their in their favor, you know, financially. Right. Um, right. So I and, and it's funny. I'll tell you a funny story, which is that I feel like sometimes these male female archetypes are so ingrained, you know, by society that even when you are financially de- you know, independent, you still kind of like there are even times now. And first of all, when you're in a relationship, both of you should be sort of checking in with each other. Of course, if you're going to make some very large purchase, I think, you know, that's just sort of being respectful of the marriage or the relationship. But there are times now where I'll just sort of think about buying something that's a bit more expensive than normally will. And I'll say to my husband, Oh, is it okay if I get that? And he'll say, well, why are you asking me? <laughs> like, yeah. Go ahead and get it. It's your money. Aww. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Why am I asking you? <laughs> but <laughs> hey, yeah, just, sometimes it, <laughs> just checking in is nice though. You know, yes, just, just yes. saying like, I'm not trying to be shady here. I'm just, you know, right. um, exactly. just letting exactly. you know. So right, your, your eyes right. don't pop out of their sockets when you look at the American Express bill next time. There you go. There yeah. you go. Exactly. Well, I'm with you yes. on that. Most nights, usually around six o'clock at night at my house, you'll hear, what do you want to have for dinner? Yeah, my husband and I are the worst at meal planning, and too often we end up ordering in or making bowls of cereal, neither of which is healthy, appetizing, or cost-effective. It's no way to live, people. So it is with such joy and relief that I'm introducing today's sponsor, PrepDish. PrepDish is a subscription-based meal planning service that takes the stress out of planning your meals. With PrepDish, you get an email every week that contains a grocery list of seasonal ingredients plus instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. And for just two hours of prep, you get a week's worth of delicious meals. I'm talking Romesco baked salmon with roasted sweet potatoes, turkey and zucchini lasagna. PrepDish is offering so many listeners a special rate of $4 for the first month's worth of meal plans. It's a dollar per week. Go to PrepDish.com slash so money to start today. And by the way, they specialize in gluten-free, dairy-free, and paleo meals for all you health nuts out there. Prepdish.com slash so money. Tell me a little bit about perhaps a failure that you experienced. Did you ever have a financial failure of any scale, of any size? And what did you learn? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, I guess one of the things that's been challenging as a woman in academic medicine, and I think in many different fields, um, is just the the negotiating and, and salaries and all those things, which are hard for anyone, but I think particularly as a woman. And I do feel like, you know, there have been times, and particularly when I was first graduating and negotiating salaries um, coming out of fellowship, and, you know, I did very well in my fellowship and was a great candidate. And and I did feel like when I first negotiated, I, I didn't do a great job and, um, of getting what I was worth. You know, I think I remedied that later on, but I think that was kind of a failure and, and really reminded me later that you always have to be really your own advocate. And it's not like you're, you know, people are doing you a favor by be- giving you a job. You have something extremely valuable to offer and, you should be paid accordingly. And, you know, I think that was sort of a mistake I made when I was first coming out and young and naive and just sort of grateful to have to be gainfully employed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I think, I think early on in our careers, we always just feel like, well, I'm just happy to be here. You know, I'm I'm grateful for the job. As a physician, are salaries really negotiable? I'm under the impression that it's like, like, you know, with teaching, like it's just, it is what it is, but it's, there's probably more wiggle room than we think. 
I think there is exactly. I think there is more wiggle room, but I think the perception and certainly what they <laughs> try to tell you is that it's not negotiable, but I definitely think it is. And I think, you know, there are a lot of subtle prejudices that go into that question of, you know, well, you know, she's someone who's married and has another salad, second income versus he's the primary breadwinner and has to support a family, you know, like things like that, I think subtly come into it. And there are ways to negotiate. Um, there's probably not as much leeway in academic medicine as maybe some other fields, but I think there is always room. Always worth it to ask. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And not to feel bad about asking. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. I mean, even just, I think it's difficult for women and I consider myself a fairly confident woman. I think it's an extremely uncomfortable position for me to kind of ask for things like money or whatever it is. And, and that shouldn't be the case, but it, it still is. And maybe that has something to do with the field, like things that are like, quote unquote, altruistic, like being a physician, yes. being a teacher. It's such a service driven, you know, industry. And like you don't go into becoming a doctor because like you love the money. I mean, even these days, like right. it's not that right. maybe maybe 30 years ago, 50 years ago, but it's not as easy to make a lucrative living as a doctor anymore because of, you know, insurance requirements. And, and I don't know. Oh, yeah. You know more about yeah. this than I do. But you have right. to really love what you do. And sometimes that um, overshadows the fact that at the end of the day, you still should get paid what you deserve and maybe right. you don't bring it up because of that. But um, yeah, I think, but I think it's like a lot. I don't think it's just medicine because I have so many other friends in other fields who also, when it gets to that negotiating table, you know, stage, they feel very uncomfortable and nervous. And um, whereas I think, for men, this is a, definitely a generalization, but many men just feel much more comfortable kind of just speaking their mind and saying, hey, this is what I want. This is what I should get, you know, and, and a woman for many women, they feel that they they seem like they're being too pushy or whatever it is. They're totally not. But it's just a feeling that I think a lot of us still have, yeah. which well, is needs to be worked on for well, sure. Practice makes perfect. And men have had a lot yes. of more years to practice in the workforce. That's than women. very good point. You're right. You're right. Yeah. What was your greatest success, financial success, would you say? Your so money moment. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, I'm still hoping for a big one really? <laughs> with my company and all those <laughs> yeah. things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my greatest financial success, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just really a, a combination. I don't wouldn't say there's one one moment. It's just the fact that, you know, the last couple of years I've been able to combine two different careers, you know, Tula is my third career. It's not giving me right now any financial success in the sense that I'm investing in it rather than it paying me anything at the moment. But mm -hmm. um, the fact that the last couple of years between my media career and my medical career, the fact that I've been able to do both and really have a decent, you know, better than decent income from both has been really exciting and gratifying to me. Um, so I think that would be it. just the, the fact that I can do both successfully has been great. And no doubt there'll be many so money moments in your future. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Almost finished here. I've got to ask you if you have a habit, Dr. Raj, that you practice about keeping your finances balanced, your money in the right place. I mean, I have the habit, which I mean, I think a lot of people have the, you know, the alerts of when you're spending on things and all those kind of keep me in check. But I think what I do, and it's not every 
day or even every week, but once a month, I really do go through what I've been spending my money on. So whether it's clothes or travel or food or all those things, and it, it, it just really keeps me in check because if there is a month where, cause you know, on a day to day basis, I don't know if you use guilt, but I'm a, I'm a guilt addict, which is a <laughs> website for clothes. And you know, when you're just buying things here and there day to day, you do tend to lose track of what you're spending it on. So when I do that monthly check, if I realize in that month, I kind of went a little overboard in one area, I know for the next month, I need to rein it in a little, um, same thing with travel. There's some months, you know, holidays and things where we're spending a lot more on travel than we normally do. So then we kind of scale it back for the next couple months. Um, I think that's sort of my habit of just checking in every month and really seeing where the money is going. Exactly. Well, Dr. Raj, thank you so much for joining So Money. I know this isn't a typical interview. You're always talking about how we can stay healthy, but I loved your insights and your advice about money as well. And good luck with Tula. Thank you so much, Farnoosh, and good luck with all the wonderful things you're doing. Hope to see you backstage sometime soon. (laughs) Yep. Take care. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Raj, her website is Tula, T-U-L-A dot com. She's also on Twitter at Dr. Roshini Raj. All of this information back at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And of course, there you can ask me a question. Click on Ask Farnoosh. Submit your question for the Friday episodes and I'll be sure to put it in the queue. And hopefully you and I will be virtually discussing your financial question in an upcoming Friday episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Remember, follow the leader Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific. In the meantime, hope your day is so money. Oh,